This is the Stages of She podcast, all about women, the lives we lead, the things we care about, the ways we grow, change, relate, and everything in between. All from the perspective of your three hosts, Christina Godfrey, Liz Thomas, and Sarah Strasbaugh. We're each living different lives in three different generations, finding similarities along the way as we connect and support the women we love. We're so excited to have you on. Oh, I'm so excited to be on. Yeah. So we're back with Stages of She, and we are in, what are we calling this segment again? Our aging, aging series. Well, yes. I want to I call it aging well series because I don't like yeah, aging. Love it. My aging is a bad word. Yeah. Or <laughs> we're proud of how we're aging. We are proud women and we are aging and that's just part of life. And actually- You have to age. <laughs> you do. You have to age. So, you know, let's do it with grace. And we're thrilled today because we have Heidi Lindner on. Is that how I pronounce your last name, Heidi? Yes. Awesome. And she's a physician associate with over 20 years of experience in plastic surgery and medical aesthetics. And she owns J-Derm in Newport Beach. And that's a hot spot for all of these things. So we are absolutely thrilled to have Heidi on. She is a personal connection with Christina. And she really specializes in natural looking non-surgical medical procedures so as soon as we're done with this podcast, I will be booking an appointment, Heidi, and flying down to see you. But <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to give it to Christina. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. I am very happy to share everything that we always talk about together with everyone listening. And I have been, I've been coming to you now for quite a while. I, I don't even know how long, at least probably a couple of years, and have been extremely happy with all the results. Um, and, you know, when I went to Heidi, I said, I want to just look like myself. I don't want to look like I've had anything done. And I mm -hmm. don't want to look like that. Sometimes the the look in Newport beach or in, you know, other areas of the country with the, you know, the big lips and the overdone look like that is not the look I'm going yeah. for. And everyone that goes to Heidi, looks just an, like an amazing version of themselves. And so we're going to talk about that today. And yay. Yeah. And yes. so everyone knows Christina is beautiful. She has the best skin and glow um, and looks so youthful. So She's a great. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. So Heidi, let's talk about. I know you and I kind of talked the other night offline about, you know, in keeping theme of our podcast, you know, how women, at what point should women really start thinking about their skin and the different phases? I know that you experience when women come to you, and how does, how, what do you see, and how? What do you recommend for women to do starting in their 20s, 30s? Yeah, so um, each decade is so beautiful and has its own um, idiosyncrasies. In 20s, you know, you look fantastic without trying. You, you're effortless, you're <laughs> glowing, you wake up and 
you know, you could go meet girlfriends for coffee and your sweats and you still look fabulous. Um, as you get older, it takes a little bit more effort because starting in your 30s, you begin to lose 1% of your collagen every year. So by the time you're 40, you've lost 10%, 50 20%, and so on and so forth. So um, in the 20s, the ladies that typically come and see me are for um, more enhancement of their beauty or acne control. They still are struggling a little bit in college or post-college with some of the um, hormonal acne issues that come up, hyperpigmentation and acne scarring um, that can result um, from the acne. In the 30s, um, women are going into those phases of life that are so beautiful where um, if they are deciding to have a family, they're getting married and having children, and the emphasis starts to shift so much from themselves onto the rearing of the family. And so when most women come to me, it's generally in their 40s where women have um, been focusing mostly on rearing the children and you know providing a home, building relationships, and you wake up and you have 20% of your collagen gone. And if you eat something, it shows up. If you drink something, it shows up. And so that's where you have to really start making more of an effort. Um, the 20s is more um, beauty enhancement lips. I'll get a lot of ladies wanting to enhance their lip shape. Um, 30s lips, you also start to see um, some of the fine lines showing up on the forehead and crow's feet. So we'll start introducing a little bit of um, neuromodulators such as Botox. And then in the 40s, um, that's when you really have to start being more cautious where prior to that, you can get away with a simple moisturizer and a sunscreen. In the 40s, you really have to start taking an active role in your health and beauty, um, making sure that you're eating well, sleeping well, um, doing all the things for yourself on the inside is just as important what you're going to do for your outward beauty. Um, <clears throat> some of the things that I'm a big advocate for is nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Um, you cannot overstate the importance of that. Your lifestyle in terms of fitness, you absolutely start have to um, lifting weights to maintain your muscle mass and um, you know sleep is essential. Um, some of the things that are imperative to maintaining your skin health, um, using an antioxidant serum, morning and night, um, a barrier cream um, that has, you know, the best one would be one that has peptides and growth factor in it. Um, in the evenings, um, you want to start using a retinoid. So I personally prescribe Tazerac to every patient. I think it's the best on the market. It's a third generation and has a high bioavailability in action, and it works super fast. Um, so the other ones will work for you. The over-counter things will work for you, but it mm -hmm. takes a bit longer because they have conversions that they have to go through in order to be active and um, they're not as strong. Oh my so, gosh. So we're drinking from the question. fire hose. Yes. It's so great. <laughs> a million questions. Go Christina. <laughs> well, so I started using uh, retin retinol in my twenties Yes, and I would get regular facials. So I think that probably has something to do with, you know, the fact that my skin looks, you know, pretty good at this age because I started taking care of it at such a young age. I wish I had brought it down to my neck and my chest. I kind of, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
the neck, chest, and the tops of the hands. So oh, yeah. Little- yes. Driving. Um, making sure also for every age um, category that you're using that daily sunscreen. Um, I actually am not a huge fan of sunscreen. I hate to use it, but I use it because it does work. Um, but definitely getting it on the hands, the chest. Um, the neck from here up actually ages pretty well, but from here down, um, you mm-hmm. don't wing from your face. So it does age a little bit um, more advanced than the rest of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so can I ask, um, let's back up just a little bit. Cause I really think let's stick with twenties for a minute here. So like for women in their twenties, if you take away injectables, you know, and you, you talked about sunscreen, so they should really be thinking about wearing sunscreen, which I do kind of feel like women in their twenties know now, what else would you advise them to do based on like Christina saying, well, I was already doing this and people maybe not knowing. Yeah, I think that, you know, the the 20s is such a vibrant decade still. Your growth factors are still plentiful. Um, You rebound from any sort of injury very quickly. So if you get a blemish, you're going to recover from it pretty well. Um, Some women who are prone to hyperpigmentation, you want to make sure that you're not picking at it. Um, Mm -hmm. The biggest issue for that demographic of women and um terms of what you can do now to reap the benefits later, um, antioxidant serum and sunscreen. Um, you know, their collagen density is still very high. The elastin is plentiful. So their skin quality, trigger and tone is exceptional still in the 20s. So you don't have to um, begin really taking steps in order to mediate that growth. It's really in the 30s that you start to see the beginning of the the drop off of it. And that's when you want to start introducing the things um, like using the retinol um, or and then a a light laser treatment like a clear and brilliant is excellent. There's little downtime with it. There's little pain and um, you can use it on any skin type. I beg to differ. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel you. <laughs> I think it's painful. <laughs> but the results are worth it. How, yeah. I, I hear a lot about clear and brilliant and I'm, I'm 32. So I feel like I've started, you know, it's kicking in where things are getting a little softer. I was getting Botox since I was 26, but clear and brilliant. I do hear a lot of girls my age talking about it and they love it. So how many of those do you usually recommend? Cause isn't it like a series or you, you're supposed to go for a few months in a row? Sure. So different for every patient and their circumstances. If one is dealing with melasma or acne scarring, you're going to have to do more on the front end to get that corrective result that you're looking for. If you're doing just maintenance to prevent um, you know, collagen loss and maintain the health of the tissues, then um sufficient to help that process along. And then again, the antioxidant serum morning and night and a nice moisturizer, whatever it is that um, suits their skin type. And then a Tazerac type of retinoid at night. Now, have you seen, I always think it's funny when these girls like Sarah at 26, she's getting Botox. Does this mean (laughs) that she's just never going to 
have a wrinkle ever, like <laughs> never going to age at all. I didn't. I know it's definitely there's more awareness now with social media and um, some of the reality shows where it's openly talked about. The stigmas have been um, removed. Everyone, you know, you go to lunch with girlfriends or dinner to, with girlfriends, and it's one for sure one of the five topics that we're going to talk about, right? So. Um, there's a lot of awareness and acceptance where in our mother's generations, those things were more taboo and a stigma of vanity and so forth. And now it's just part of our life and pro-aging. So um, it's not that she's never going to have wrinkles because your skin density is to diminish. <laughs> we, we do. We lose... Um, volume we have volume loss in all dimensions so you start to have bone reabsorption your ligaments and tendons start to thin and become slack the musculature starts to um, thin and then sag and then the skin also in the adipose layer the fatty layer that is this beautiful plush padding when we're young becomes diminished as we age and so you start to see more anatomical features, um, more harshness where you're young, you're, um, you have a buoyancy to your face and the volume is high. So when you're young, you have a inverted triangle where it's narrow here and full here. And then as we age, that typically becomes the opposite where you become narrow here and fuller on the bottom because of both reabsorption as well as descent. And so um, you have to start thinking in terms of that as well as you go into your early 40s. That's really a wonderful time to um, begin some of those practices. Like I love utilizing PRP for patients. Um, it has a host of benefits, but one of the things that is unique to it is that it inhibits osteoclastic activity and promotes osteoblastic activity, which are the two cells of the bones that can either build the B blast is a builder and the clast um, takes away. So it moderates that and promotes the growth. So it becomes mm -hmm. important as you age that you maintain that bony structure and PRP is one of the ways that you can do that. Um, so I like to use that along with the clear and brilliant early for ladies because it really does help make a tremendous difference in the health and vibrancy and the maintenance of your tissues as you age. Yeah. Can you explain for people, what PRP is? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> Be honest how painful it is. <laughs> yes. It's, it's way less than Botox. I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. There's definitely a range. So I have ladies that are my delicate flowers that I'm are, one of those. <laughs> and then I have those that like don't even flinch. So there's quite a range in terms of um, what one's tolerance is. Um, if you tend to be on the more sensitive side, there are definitely things that we can do to um, ease the discomfort. There's always going, with the exception of um, radiofrequency, there's always some discomfort involved in aesthetic treatments in general, but they can be dramatically diminished by planning for it, not planning it around your menstrual period, 
um, you're going to be more sensitive at that time. And then numbing cream does wonders. So mm-hmm. the cream that I have in my office mm-hmm. is pretty strong. So you would use that like 30 minutes prior to treatment. If you get an over-the-counter one, like a 4% lidocaine cream, you're going to want to use that an hour in advance. Um, but you could put some on the area we're going to do the blood draw, which is right about here. And um, then also on the face, neck, and decollete if you want to have those areas um, treated as well. But platelet-rich plasma, um, it's such a beautiful thing. They started using it in Europe initially in orthopedic sector and then, um, you know, leave it to women to figure out a way to make something <laughs> and, and making us more beautiful. So um, we centrifuge the blood and it pulls off by volumetric weight the red and white blood cells and leaves behind your nutrient-rich plasma and the platelets which have, uh, there's a whole science behind it I won't bore you with, but um, it essentially is going to go into the area that you inject it. And with the technique I use, I do all the layers. I go um, on the periosteum, on the bone. I go into the midline layers. I Most typically, um, the, like the tear trough area is such a beautiful area to treat because that's a tricky area to try to correct with fillers. Um, and you can get a really beautiful rebound of the tissues in that area with um, PRP. But um, you centrifuge it, and then that comes up in a test tube where you can actually, it's beautiful for the patient to see, because you can see the red blood cells, the white blood cells, and then the little platelet layer with the plasma. So you mix that, take it out into individual syringes, and then inject it into the areas which you wish to um, have the regeneration of the tissue. And um, it does create swelling by design. So to get the most out of it, you want to make sure that leading up to it for at least a week, you're not having any anti-inflammatory products such as Advil, ibuprofen, Aleve, aspirin, and then um, the natural ones as well, turmeric and curcumin can blunt your response. So you want to avoid those Mm. both before and a week afterwards. Do not ice. Platelets are extremely sensitive to cold temperature and you will basically be wasting your money if you go home and ice and try in an effort to try to diminish the swelling faster. You can use moist heat compresses to help facilitate that lymphatic drainage, but by design what we're doing is inciting a inflammatory response in the tissues. Platelets are inflammatory, they cause a um, swelling in the localized tissue that's part of the beauty of the regeneration. Exosomes, on the other hand, are anti-inflammatory. They burn like heck um, going in, but that's a whole another thing. But um, I don't like to do them together because they have kind of opposing functions. So when you do PRP, just do the PRP. Don't try to um, do your Botox that day. You can do lasers the same day, and they actually potentiate each other's results because lasers create heat generation and an inflammatory process. So you want that to all be in the same line on the same day. Mm. And I, and I do those together usually and PRP, it does, it does feel, you do feel pressure like in areas. So it is, it is more than painful. I would say it's, it's more of a very strange, like it's very odd. And it's a little scary the first time you do it because it's, it is so weird. But then once you do it once, and the swelling, I have to say, I actually, 
like the way I look after <laughs> and think, oh, this is good. Could it stay this way? And then it goes back to normal after a couple of days. But I have yet to let Heidi do this area that she says um, that I, that is the best area to do, but I am going to do it next time. And how, yeah. often, how often yeah. are you getting the treatment done, Christina? How many times a year? So I, well, the maintenance program that I'm on, we try to do once a quarter, like the, the clear and brilliant mm-hmm. and the PRP. I think I've done the clear and brilliant a lot more than I've done the PRP, but, uh, but yeah, ideally you would do them both together. Yeah. So can you explain to us a little bit, Heidi, what the difference, because, so I'm doing something different. I'm 42. So like, you know, I'm right in that segment you were just talking about and I get regular Botox treatments. I've been doing that since I was 35 but I've now added in Moxie and BBL. So like, can you explain the difference between Clear and Brilliant, Moxie, BBL, or are they similar and they're just called different things? Correct. They're, Moxie is very similar. There's there are two um, campuses to Clear and Brilliant. One okay. does the um, columnar penetration of the skin that creates that channel that's going to be the stimulation for where your new collagen is going to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, has that side of it. Um, the clear and brilliant also has a side that treats pigment. So I typically will use both. Um, most patients have a little bit of sun damage, at least. Most yeah. patients in, in clear and brilliant and moxie, you can use them um, on any skin type. Now, when you get into the light based therapies, those are different. The clear yeah. and brilliant types. Um, fraxel, basically they're mini fraxels. So mm-hmm. um, they are, they work with um, the water molecule. So they're not going to be um, putting you at risk for changes in the um, baseline pigment of your skin. Now, when you go to the light based devices, I think Halo, BBL, this type, you know, IPL. Um, I use the Stellar M22 platform. I think that it's the most versatile and you can change the um, intensity and um, wavelengths and so forth to adjust for your patient's skin. It gives you a little bit more weight, but you have to be extremely, extremely cautious with patients who have a skin type 4 or more with those types of devices because you can create a pigmentary change, either hypo or hyperpigmentation that is your patient would not appreciate. So what do you, um, so I'm pretty sure that my esthetician, she's an NP also uses that device that you're, cause they usually set the level, right? I get like the lowest level right now. What is a four? You just said that, but what does that mean? So, um, that's the Fitzpatrick skin type scale. So okay. it, um, is arranged. Um, you know, I, I treat, most of my patient um, population is Caucasian in Newport Beach, mm-hmm. where I, you know, a, a dear friend that practices in New York, and everybody in her practice is skin type four and above. So that's going to okay. be um, South American skin, African American skin. In um, Newport Beach, the majority of my patients are skin types um, two, three, four. So it's a range you can look online, but um, yeah, like, based on what I can see on um, my phone screen, <laughs> you know, we're all threes basically. Yeah. 
So um, you can do most everything on a skin type 3. You can do CO2 laser. You can't do CO2 laser, which is ablative on those higher skin types because you could um, remove their pigment. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you for explaining. You're so knowledgeable. And I know. You speak so well about this, and I think that's really appreciated because it it seems like there's a lot of practitioners out there that just come in, get injected, get this laser, and there's, you know, no education behind it. And I imagine when you're with your patients, you really explain to them what you're doing and, you know, they have choices and you really do a great job explaining it all. So much. I love medicine. I think that that's one of the things that I'm really an advocate for is continuing your education as a practitioner. It's so important. Um, Every day I use my internal medicine knowledge to either understand that something's not appropriate for somebody or would be a a better option for them. Um, There's certainly contraindications to every, um, you know, thing that we do in this field. And you have to be knowledgeable about that and keep one foot firmly planted in a true internal medicine. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for the aesthetic side of it, there really is an artistry to it and an eye. So you, know, you definitely, when you're going and selecting your practitioner, you don't feel embarrassed to ask what their designation is. What What is your training? What is your background been? Because that's all going to um, either benefit or harm the patient. Um, you know, there's opportunities for us through various CMEs um, out there, excellent teaching programs um, that if anybody is a practitioner wants to contact me, I can tell you um, some excellent options um, Mm -hmm. or area where to go. Um, Understanding anatomy and um, in a four-dimensional way is essential. And um, most importantly, understanding how to deal with complications that arise, because no matter um, how excellent a practitioner, whether you're a board certified plastic surgeon or a PA like myself, if you inject enough, you do enough procedures, you're going to have complications. And the difference is, um, you know, being with somebody in their practice who's both knowledgeable and equipped to be able to handle those Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Can we... I want to talk about filler because that's something that a lot of women do. And a lot of women, I think, eventually maybe don't start looking like themselves or it doesn't look good. I've done a tiny bit of filler. um, but, but But you and I have talked about filler and you recommended that I do something. I think it's Sculptra. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And we did that and I loved it. And so can you explain your thoughts about filler and do you do it on people and what you actually did on me and what that is? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, in the realms of fillers, so when we utilize fillers, it can be used um, in full concentration or dilution. There's also fillers versus biostimulators. You have... Mm -hmm. um, the, the most common ones right now that most practitioners will use in their practice are, and there's so many now, but just for simplicity um, purposes, um, there's the Juvederm portfolio and the Galderma portfolio. 
Um, I personally utilize and prefer the Galderma portfolio in my practice. I, you know, I started with Restylane when it came on the market in 2003, I believe. So I have a lot of experience with it. It's predictable um, and it's, you know exactly how it's going to look when you're, when you're done with your patient um, very predictably. And then they've now um, created an additional aspect to their line that basically has um, more elasticity to the fillers. So depending on what area you're treating, if it's an area that has dynamic expression versus one which just has static lines versus um, wanting to just fill and shape, such as the lips, um, you would select a different product based on what it is, um, your, whatever the goals are for the patient. Um, now, rest, uh, Restylane is a hyaluronic acid filler. Most of the fillers, when, you, when people talk about filler, that's a hyaluronic acid, which is derived from bacterial fermentation. It used to be from rooster combs, but now it's um, primarily done through bacterial fermentation. Um, it's very safe. Most people tolerate it extremely well. The primary issues with it are, um, you know, if the practitioner were to get it in a vessel, it can cause a vascular occlusion, which we would dissolve with Hylinex, um, that will break it down into its components of sugar and water, essentially. And then um, there are the biostimulatory family, which is like the Sculptra and the Radius. Sculptra is polyolactic acid. It's basically the um, similar product to absorbable sutures that we use in surgery. And then Radius is uh, calcium hydroxyapatite. And um, <clears throat> you can use them in different ways. Radius can be utilized both as a filler and a biostimulator. And Sculptra is essentially just a biostimulator. So we put a lot of saline in it to deliver the product into the tissues which we wish to enhance that collagen formation, but um, it goes away after you use it. So we call it the Cinderella effect because you leave looking very full and plump and um, a couple days later it's deflated and back to normal, but it takes three months for your body to utilize those seeds that we're planting in the skin for the collagen formation um, to turn that into visible um, bulk, if you will, to um, enhance the volume loss that we experience usually in the, um, mm -hmm. in, um, mostly in the mid phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I noticed it the most, like right in here. It's a lot like kind of more full. Yeah. Again. Yes. As we go through that area, again, it um, is absorbed. Wow. Then. Mm -hmm. So in order to uh, give you that useful buoyancy back, of course, Surgery and a fat transfer is the gold standard always. It's going to give you the most um, long-lasting, predictable, and um, natural-looking result when it's done well with a board-certified plastic surgeon. And if you don't want to jump to surgery, there's these things that we can do. Mm -hmm. um, lasers, uh, biostimulators, and fillers to give you those contours of youth back to kind of turn back the clock and buy you some time, if you will, before you're ready to go to surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Heidi's so, going to let me know when there's just <laughs> no yeah. more. You have when a ways, Christina. You look great. So I'm really experiencing a lot of degeneration right now. So I'm trying to take different steps, but I've just been 
you know, there's a lot of stigma still out there about fillers, about, you know, botched filling, all this. How do you talk that through with patients? It's really difficult because it's such a personal, Mm -hmm. there's um, the subjective opinion about what someone sees and, and wants to look like. Are you trying to look like a version of yourself 12 years? Go, or are you looking at a celebrity photo and right people? And so, a lot of um, what I do is expectation management and talk <laughs> about um, realistically, you know, what we can do with these because that's when you start to see the bad work is when things are overdone, they're poorly placed. Um, they're done in excess. And I think that that's the mark of a sophisticated practitioner is when you can treat someone and they look like the best, most beautiful version of themselves without looking strained, without looking objective or off-putting to someone. You mean like a freak? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the, well, she was saying it nicer. <laughs> These ladies and and, you know, God bless them for trying. They're trying to make the effort yeah. misguided. So it's either the practitioner's not doing them right or they're in their mind they have some sort of body dysmorphic issue where the cheeks mm-hmm. are getting larger in it in an attempt to regain their youth. And um it's like for for all aspects of enhancement and augmentation, fuller lip, fuller breast, fuller cheeks does not necessarily translate to a fuller life. And so you have yeah. conversations with the patients and, and see what it is that they are going for. Are, are they wanting to fill because they just never want to get a facelift? Then, um, you know, there are better ways to treat them, to provide them with a more youthful um, look than just trying to fill up the skin that has um, been devolumized by revolumizing it, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, there's women, I think there are so many women who you you can tell how old they are. And, and by doing all this stuff, it just makes them look, they look, they look older, they look worse and older. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's a shame. It's better to look more aged, a little bit more aged than look fake. And I think that um, a hallmark of a really exceptional practitioner is you can create a really beautiful silhouette for your patient. You can create great lines and um, youthful beauty without leaving a trace, without evidence that there has been work done and or going right up to that point you know, where you don't want to push past the envelope because then that's what you see. When a woman walks yeah. sometimes you just start looking at their, like their lips lead and you yeah. never want to lead. You want it to be kind of all working together beautifully mm-hmm. and in a refined way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It Luckily, it feels like from my point of view, the trend is going more natural looking. People are leaving behind the overfilled list and hopefully, thank goodness, girls that made that decision a few years ago can get them dissolved or, you know, can feel good about themselves moving forward. But I'm happy to see that things seem to be going in a more natural direction. Yeah. 
Well, I think we've all started to see that like if if everyone does that, we all look the same. And something that's beautiful about being yourself is that you are uniquely yourself and that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, a lot of people though, I, I you know, I, when people don't have good work done, you know, people get caught up in getting, you know, they go on Groupon and they get you know, Botox and filler from there. And they're going to people that just aren't good. And this is where you really, it's worth spending the money. This is not a place to cheap out. This is your. I agree. I think it's, you know, it's better to save and to wait and go to someone who's very reputable. Um, A great way to do it is to ask friends, um, friends who do look, beautiful and radiant and healthy and don't have that evidence of, you know, looking fake, false, overdone. Um, You know, there are many Groupon victims and I feel really badly because, you know, the women want to, they want to enhance their beauty. It gives you confidence. It makes you walk through life feeling um, Mm -hmm. blessed. And I can see it in my office when I'm done with treatment sometimes, the woman that walks out is an entirely more confident, feeling beautiful version of herself than the woman that came in. And they're looking for that. They're seeking that. So um, it's best to save. Like if I will share sometimes with my um, younger clients, like they'll say, I can't, you know, I can't afford. And I say, you know, I want you to do an exercise for me. Go home, get three bath towels and place them on your floor. Take all the products in all your cabinet drawers, <laughs> put them on the center towel, put the products that you use every week on the right and put the products that you don't use on the left and see, count it, you know, add it all up and see how much money you're actually spending on your beauty routine where a lot of it is not going to move the needle for you. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it was seen on Instagram and gave promise to provide them with the a glow or this or that and you get it home and realize it doesn't work for your skin type and so um a lot could be saved and then used in places where it actually will make a difference and help you move the needle positively into what it is that you're looking to achieve yeah you know I think it would be interesting if you could talk a little bit, I want to go back to the Botox thing for a second, because I don't think a lot of women know that you can do Botox in other areas. Like on me, we've, you know, put it into my chin and my neck mm-hmm. and there's, um, you've put it in places I've never even thought of before. And I think <laughs> most women just think, you know, in between their eyebrows and maybe along um, here mm-hmm. and maybe in their forehead, but maybe talk about like the little bits of Botox and how that can go a long way in other areas. Oh my, God. I, I love Botox. Um, I'm a huge Botox fan. Um, it's predictable. It's reliable. It is consistent at where you place it. It works. Um, you know, two weeks later you have, um, the onset of it. Um, a couple of things I would like to say about Botox. When you get Botox, it's not an on and off switch immediately. There's kind Mm -hmm. of a curve where you have the injection. It starts with a gradual onset. Most women will see the activity at about week two where it is working. You're trying to make the expression and your body's not allowing you to. Um, And then there have 
happiest usually between week six and eight. And then there's a gradual, you know, downside to it. Um, in that initial stage, it's, um, it can be awkward. So as your, your muscles are becoming inactive and paralyzed and your the, the elevators and the depressors work synergistically. So as one group is going offline, the other one is trying harder and more robustly to work. So you'll see kind of odd expressions. You'll wake up one day and like one eyebrow will be a little peaky. Most, <laughs> most things settle down at between week two and three. So um, don't panic. Wait to make judgment until between week two and three. And that's the time that you would go back to your practitioner and ask for a judgment because the accessory muscles, when they feel the other ones not working, they work harder. And so you can look a bit odd that first two weeks as it's kind of settling into place. Um, now, areas that work for Botox, you can treat Botox um, treat with Botox for so many different beautiful things. You can um, put a tiny amount on the lip border and do a little eversion of the lip and get that lip flip that was popular last year. Um, I love that look. Me too. Yeah. It's like my favorite two, yeah. four weeks of, you know, my treatment yeah. after yeah. that. <laughs> um, and then the crow's feet, the globella procerus, the um, frontalis, um, the mint does get that peau de orange um, kind of dimply chin so you can treat there the platysmal bands um, in the neck yeah they're wonderful because that that muscle goes from the collarbone basically up to um, this area of the mantle and it pulls down so if, when you release that you get that maximum inversion of the triangle of view so you're not having that constant strain you can do the um, DAO here so that it helps the mouth rest in um, more of a pleasant um, rest <laughs> position so you don't get the RVF. <laughs> <laughs> Which I naturally have, FYI, so I have to <laughs> too. <combat> that. <laughs> Hyperhidrosis, so the sweaty palms. Um, I do a lot um, in business people for palms and the underarms so that they're not especially in men, they sweat through or their upper back, they'll get hyperhidrosis there. Mm. Um, it can be used for bladder spasticity, dystonia, and, you know, Rhinac. So it has both um, therapeutic and cosmetic reasons. It's used quite a bit for migraines. Um, so it, it's the wonder drug. I, I love it. It is. Weird fact. My first job out of college, I worked at the marketing agency for Botox and Juvederm. So I used to go to all these events where they were talking about off-label uses, and it is an incredible drug. I mean, it can be used for so many things. Speaking of that, like I have always been intrigued by the getting Botox in my masseter because I have such a tight jaw and I get pain on one side of my face, and I know it's a big commitment because it's such a big muscle. It, I know it takes a lot and you have to keep it up, but what are your thoughts about that? I'm also, I would be concerned, like, is my skin going to move forward if I slim this muscle? Those are excellent points. Um, so, yeah. So if you're having um, what they call TMJ, you know, where the muscles here, the masseter muscles, most commonly when you sleep or 
I'll have a, I have a lot of students that come in and they're studying and they're stressed and they clench when they study because they're nervous. Um, you can treat that area on each side of the masseter and it really releases that um, tension that they get in that area. Now, in doing so, it's very popular in the Asian community. They do it for aesthetic reasons because Asians have rounder, fuller faces. Mm want to have more of a triangulation and a sculpted jawline. So they'll do it along that area in order to slim it. You can actually slim the parotid gland as well by continually injecting. It's like if you put a, a cast on an arm, when you take the cast off eight weeks later, that musculature in the arm has significantly atrophied. So if you hold it up next to the other one, it's going to look much smaller. And that eventually happens in uh, the muscles that we treat. So there's always, you know, consequences to everything that we do, right? With with the Botox, I I love it. I personally use it every two three months on on myself for a multitude of reasons, including um, the TMJ. I tend to get it on this side, um, but you have to be aware that those are some of the things that can happen. It can thin and um, atrophy the muscles over time. So absolutely, especially in um, Caucasian women, um, we start to get quite a bit of um, lipoatrophy in the mid face. And then if you're diminishing the musculature that's supportive and bulky, as you do that, you can notice um, more jowling, if you will, or Mm pre-jowling from the descent from the originates back here. So it's always this push and pull. So then we wind up doing this ultra hyaluronic acid blend and PRP to maintain everything. So it's, it's a push and pull and everything that we do, no matter um, how insignificant it seems, you always do have a, a consequence for that. Hmm. Well, you talking about it, just like, I can feel the relief. So I'm like, no, I still <laughs> it would be worth it to try to find that relief in the TMJ. Yes. You know, and then figure out if there was anything I wanted to change then from there. It can be changing, you know, especially for those that um, clench and then they start having popping when they're trying to eat or chew. They um, get headaches from it. Um, you can have associated muscle spasms in the top. So many times I'll kind of you know, take a thorough medical history, make sure that you don't have the accessory muscles that are actually the ones that are the culprit. Many times it's originating from a massive um, muscle spasm that they have in, in the traps. So um, again, you want to go to a practitioner who's thorough, that's asking all the right questions, and you have to be your own advocate. So, you know, kind of poke around, see like, would you benefit from a little bit here as well as here? Do you need a massage? Are you stressed about something in your life that you need to start um, working on that with and not just, you know, hitting it with Botox every, mm-hmm. with the, um, the masseters, you get a lot of uh, wear and the hyperhidrosis, you get a lot of wear out of the Botox. Um, so that's the upside of it. But um definitely it's it's always not straightforward and it's it's different for everyone that's another i think takeaway that's really good to understand is what your best friend or your sister does is not necessarily mm-hmm. 
appropriate for you for a multitude of factors. And if you are going to someone that's doing the same exact thing on everybody, then it's worth taking pause and asking a few more questions and figuring out um, what the scoop is there. Yeah. I think that's Another such an important point. Talks, which I didn't realize is that if you go in the infrared sauna or you do hot yoga, your Botox is going to wear off faster. Oh, Christina, you're ruining my life right now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love hot yoga. <laughs> in order to get the maximum use out of your Botox, maximum wear out of it, you want to start taking a zinc supplement uh, about a week in advance of your treatment and then continue taking it for a week after. And then, you know, you may just want to take a, a small dose every day. It does help uh, potentiate the Botox results about 30%. Huh. Wow. That's, that. that's good to know. You never told me that before. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and zinc is just great for your immune system too, yeah. if you don't overdo it. So those, yeah. those little mints I keep on the side table are zinc. Oh, oh. That is so helpful to know. From Amazon, um, the TheraBreath, you can oh. just order them. It's like zinc and vitamin C. You just pop one a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll put that yeah. in the show notes. And yeah. do you, <laughs> so how much zinc is in them? Like, I'm curious, because sometimes I have a, I have zinc at home that's 15 milligrams, and then I have some that's 30, and I don't know if one is better yeah. than the other. To be honest, I don't even know what the dosage is on them, but all you need is just a very small amount just to have mm-hmm. it on board. And mm-hmm. when you do too much zinc, it can actually upset your stomach. Yes. It's a little nauseous, so you don't want to overdo it either. You just need a yeah. small Okay. Yeah. That's what I've heard as well, just from health. I didn't know that with the Botox. That's great, but just to take a little bit. So. Also tell my patients on Botox Day, don't exercise. Don't yes. Yoga, don't do the sauna, don't do jacuzzi. You don't want to do anything that increases your blood pressure or your heart rate because that's going to potentially flush away the medicine from where we place it. If you want to just stay there and you know be quiet, do its thing, and then the next day you can do everything you wish. Yeah, that's good advice. So for okay, so maybe we'll close on this because I know we've we've well, answered wait, a lot. I want to talk about one more thing though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about at-home devices because there are a lot on the market. Mm, and there are. I've been, you know, a sucker for some of them. Mm-hmm. And you had me return one of them, which I was happy about. <laughs> and, but let's talk about what what works, what doesn't work, what's worth the money, is anything worth the money, and what do you recommend? Oh, God. So that's a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, answer that quickly. No. <laughs> No, it doesn't have to be quick, but I do have one more question too after that. (laughs) Answer is very few of them are going to give you any benefit at all. There's nothing that is powerful enough that is an at-home device that's going to move the needle for you. The only exceptions that I see for those are um, the like light stem company sells a red light and a blue light. The red for anti-aging and the collagen elastin production, the blue light for acne. So if you have a teen that has acne or a college student, it's a great way for them to try to help their acne flare-ups without um, taking medication. Mm -hmm. Um, Red light devices are phenomenal. They do work. 
Um, use them every day. The blue light you have to use with caution because when used in excess, it can actually cause hyperpigmentation in those blemish areas. So um, those work, crest white strips work, um, Rogaine works. Um, everybody should start using Rogaine at age 40 um, across the board, men and women. Um, the shampoo or the shampoo or the, or pills, are they pills? Um, so there is a minoxidil oral, but you can just use a, uh, the women's, I believe is two, 2% and the men's is 5% and they have a foam. So depending on what, just to um, put in your hair for delivery, okay. which is a tiny amount in your hair after you take a shower and mm. go and then dab a little bit through your eyebrows. And it just helps keep them in that, um, growth and rest phase. And then, um, some of this lash serums actually i've seen great results with the rodan and fields one um, some ladies tolerate a little bit better than latisse um, and that also again helps keep the lashes in the growth phase um, so some of those things work really beautifully and you can see a result for your at home treatment without spending a lot of money but if you have a, a tangible issue that you want treated such as acne scarring um, lifting and so forth, it's better to do it in a, a true um, medical grade um, product that we would have in a, a physician's office or like in, in my office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's really helpful. Well, I want to ask kind of about skincare too, from your perspective, you're so knowledgeable. So beyond the retinol, I mean, are there specific brands that you love or do you mostly say like it's person to person and stick with those antioxidants and sunscreen yeah absolutely it's it's person to person it um you know you have to kind of trial and error figure out what your skin um tolerates well and works with um women have the added um issue of a lot of things that you try to put on are not compatible with your makeup and then it can ball and kind of um bead and roll so you have to figure out what works for you most importantly skin likes consistency so if you do even small things consistently you're going to reap the benefits of those later on um the nightly retinoid i'm a, a big fan of sunscreen every day. Absolutely. Um, I think an, a good antioxidant serum um, is imperative. I like CE Perulic. It does have a bit of an odor. People, some people hate They say it smells like hot dogs. <laughs> that, I mean, once somebody says that, you can't unsell it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I still use, that's what I use. I, I still use it. I think it's the best. Yeah. Um, but there are other options if that one you either don't tolerate from a standpoint of it makes you feel allergic or um, is incompatible with your skin type. So um, don't like hot dogs. And it does not smell like hot dogs. But no, Perlick is going to. The needle for you more than any of the others, but you do have the trade off of the odor for sure. Um, the uh, Tensile Biopal 40, I think, is phenomenal. Um, those ampules have 
pure um, growth factor that's derived from snail mucin. And <clears throat> I use it for all my patients um, post-laser. I think it's such a phenomenal recovery serum. Um, but if you want to use it just on the regular, you can put a tiny amount under your eyes, on the neck, on the decollete, and it's very impactful. Um, I love the Neocutis Bio Serum Moisturizer. I think it's the best on the market in terms, again, of um, seeing a result. It has peptides. It has growth factors in it. And if you use that every night, you definitely are going to see um, improvements. Um, and then a lot of it is like, uh, you know, if you have an issue, if you have melasma, if you have hyperpigmentation, if you're prone to acne breaks out, breakouts, there's products that are designed specifically for each issue. So you want to add that, but you always want to go antioxidant serum first, then your moisturizer, then your retinoid daytime, you would do antioxidant serum, moisturizer, sunscreen. And if you find the sunscreen is drying, which a lot of women do, you add a little moisturizer into the sunscreen. Hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, anything else? Because I, we want to make sure we get everything in we were going to ask. I'm looking through our list and I feel like we've gotten a lot answered. We might have to have you back next season so we can... Okay dig deeper. But yeah. we, yeah, we love to end with just because you've talked so much about helping others, but we're super interested in you too. So we like to end with a little segment called Let's Get Personal. Okay. So I'm going to ask a question. Sarah, you ask a question and Christina, you ask a question before we end. So think about what you want to ask. But I'm curious because you were talking a lot about, you know, all these things are so important. But the way my esthetician recently said it, she's like, I can do all this stuff for you, but if you aren't using, you know, a good skincare regimen and you aren't taking care of yourself at home, none of this is actually going to work, right? So what's kind of like your go-to like morning routine to help you feel prepared for the day? Oh gosh. So I, I definitely am a routine girl. I wake up every morning, um, usually about five o'clock. I have coffee. I sit on my beamer mat. Um, while I have my coffee, I do some um, prayer and meditation and set the intentions for my day. And then it's kind of off to the races in our house. So, you know, yeah, my daughter ready for school, breakfast. Um, and then I am fortunate to have a wonderful that helps me many times with the morning commute. Um, in care wise, um, I use the Arcona um, triad pads. I love them. Um, I use them both morning and night. I use the CE Ferulic, and I put tons of that on um, face, neck, decollete, um, you know, anywhere. Um, body lotion, I like the Byredo um, Rose of No Man's Land, and I add the Vintage. Bintner's Daughter um, Essence Serum into it, and I put that um, all over her body. And then um, in the evenings, I have kind of a concoction that I've made that's a lot of those ingredients, but I add a tube of Tazerac to it, so I get a little Ooh. bit every night. Yeah, we need we need to make sure we're taking notes on this stuff so I, we can yes. include it. We've got we've got a producer for a reason. She's <laughs> probably furious. Getting, getting all this down. down. 
Yeah. And we might be asking you, Heidi, to send us some links too. Yes. Thanks. Yes, we might, but we'll, we'll see where we land. Um, that is so awesome. Okay. Sarah, do you have a question? Um, it can be, you know, obviously anything for our let's yeah. get personal. Um, okay. What is your favorite show or book that you're reading right now on your downtime or both? Gosh, I'm such a nerd, you guys. Like, I really don't watch TV. Um, I read all the time. So I'm always studying. My favorite books are always scientific books. So right now um, I'm reading uh, Michu Kaku's um, book, The God Equation. And mm. it's scientific and boring, but like right up my <laughs> And um, uh, what? Oh, I had a patient recommend Tom Lake. So I just downloaded that on mm-hmm. my Bible. So I'll be... I'm listening to that while I drive my daughter to school and back. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, my question okay. is, what do you do? Like, what what indulgence do you have? Like, what's your favorite mm. alcohol? What's your favorite, like, <laughs> when you're being, you know, naughty or when you want to just cut loose and have fun and you're not being so regimented? Yeah, so definitely um, life is all about balance, right? And um I do love getting together with friends and having dinners and um, have a different couple of different ladies groups that I'm um, part of. Um, if I were, I don't drink much, but a couple times a year I'll have a fabulous glass of champagne at a wedding or a, a special party, something like that. I like the um, Moet um, Imperial, the, the dry champagne. And then mm-hmm. if I would have a cocktail um, I love just a, like a Grey Goose vodka with soda and lime, or um, I had an amazing, um, what's the mar- it was like a espresso martini, and it was like Ooh. notes of chocolate and coffee. Yeah. I love oh, coffee. so good. Coffee, I'm in. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much. And where can our listeners find you? So if they want to ask questions or book an appointment. Yep. Um, I have an Instagram page. It's at J underscore Derme, D-E-R-M-E. And that's the best way to reach me um, is to message me. Awesome. So you have well, to come to Newport Beach and <laughs> you'll, be, <laughs> you'll be very happy you did. Yeah. After you pass the screening, you get my personal cell phone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll so spread that, that around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again for joining us. Mm-hmm.